Hey there, I'm Joanne Tambrakis, and this is Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis. Unfiltered conversations, or as I like to say, opinions shaken, not stirred, on what's changing and what's not in business and in life as we enter into the next normal. So pour yourself your beverage of choice, and let's get to it. Today's guest is an industry leader in multicultural media sales, marketing, management, and business development. He has worked for Azteca America, Telemundo, CNBC Europe, CNBC Europe, <laughs> and LATV Networks as Vice President of Sales and Strategic Partnerships. He is currently the Senior Vice President of Sales for the East Coast for Canela Media, as well as Mexico and the LATAM expansion markets. And in full disclosure, he is one of my former NYU students. Welcome, Andreas Ricon, to the podcast. Hi, Joanne. Thank you so much for having me here. So excited to be here. Well, I'm, I'm excited to have you here. So I always like to start my podcast with asking my guests where they are from. So can you start there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, again, thank you for having me here. It's really exciting. I, I've been, you know, I'm a fan of yours and, and this project, uh, I've been, you know, keeping it close, uh, paying attention to what you're doing and, and since you launched it. So it is really a pleasure to be here today. Um, I am originally from Colombia and I was born and raised there. And then I um, migrated to the United States as a teenager. So uh, I finished high school in the U.S. and college eventually. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I never thought that um, I was going to, that my uh, background was going to be such a big part of my professional career, uh, as it turns out. I, um, I obviously have traveled a lot and I started my career back in the days in, in London with CNBC Europe. Uh, but, you know, life happens and I ended up uh, landing in the Hispanic market uh, over 20 years ago, which was the best thing that could have happened to me. And, and it's, a, it's an industry that I absolutely love. So I'm, I'm just really happy to be part of it. But how, so can you tell us a little bit about how you got from one place to the next? Because it, it is kind of fascinating. CNBC Europe sounds so exotic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I was actually doing a year uh, um, exchange program uh, that required me to find employment uh, in order to have a visa and be able to stay in the UK. So my it was kind of like by mistake as a lot of things happen in life and and i landed at cnbc you know my background was more on the finance side but so i thought hey that's close enough i ended up with you know a financial you know cable network which put me in basically in the center of the marketing and sales teams and I, again, not knowing that that was going to be a turning point for me uh, professionally, I, you know, I absolutely loved it. And I loved that learning and just diving into the whole marketing and sales part of, of the business. From there, after I completed my time in the UK and decided not to stay, uh, I came back to New York and um, I was determined to find myself back in media. I, I really enjoyed the experience of media and 
and I um, and I did. I I through the contacts that I had made at CNBC, I was able to get in uh, my foreign door with NBC, who had just they had just acquired uh, Telemundo at the time, and it was their fun and exciting project. You know, it was it was when his, the Hispanic market was starting to to you know to kind of like um, being paid attention to. So it was an exciting, uh, an exciting time. Um, and I was offered an opportunity to join them in their marketing and research teams. And that's basically how I got uh, in the space. And from there, you know, after I had spent some time with the sales team, I realized that that was my, that was my call. And I've never looked back. So from there, <laughs> I... I spent uh, a long time at Telemundo. I loved uh, the different aspects of the business that I got to to learn from. Um, I also moved with the company to Texas, which it's something that I never thought I would do. Uh, in North <laughs> yeah, it's it's not on my list either. It's not on my list of places to go. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's, it's very surprising. Uh, I I was very hesitant with the move. But it was an opportunity that mm-hmm. was being presented to me that I couldn't say no to. A lot of times it's about the timing, right? And it's, you know, either now or never. So um, I made the decision to move to Texas. And it was, again, it was it was a great opportunity. I did end up uh, enjoying my time in Texas very, very much. And But I was also ready to come back to New York. So after five years in Texas, I made my way back to New York City. And... Um, at that point, I was working with Azteca America, which is another uh, one of the major uh, three um, main uh, Hispanic broadcasters, uh, broadcast companies in, in the country. And um, after leading their sales efforts for a couple of years, I went over to LATV Networks, which is a national cable network that serves the bicultural bilingual audience in the United States. And I spent a little bit over a decade with the network and it was fascinating to see the company grow and go through the years and all the changes. And that brings us to a little bit closer to the present, uh, about a year and a half ago in October of 2019, I joined 2019. I don't even know what year we live in. I think everyone is like that. I've lost all concept of time and space in the last two years. Yes, it, absolutely. Uh, it's actually October of 2020 because we were in lockdown last year. Um, I came over to Canela to lead their um, Canela's sales efforts in the East Coast as senior vice president of sales and this has been an absolutely amazing, amazing experience um, just to see the growth of the company. Candela Media is a startup uh, digital company in the space. And, uh, but in less than, you know, two years, we are, you know, pretty much well known across the industry and across every uh, marketer out there. So I'm very excited and very proud of, of all our efforts right now. Oh, wow. You know, it's so funny. The longer I do this podcast and the more people I talk to, so few people have anything different in terms of the career path that you have. It's kind of all this kind of, I didn't plan on this, but this is what happened. And um, again, I think that we get so ingrained when we're younger that it's supposed to be some linear path and 
for most of us, it's just not the way that it is. So I know a little bit more than I let on about the multicultural marketplace because little known fact that um, when I was still at Time Warner and at New York One, I was there when we launched New York One Noticias. So I was kind of thrown into that marketplace for it for a period of time, and I had to do a lot of quick learning. I didn't learn how to speak Spanish, but um, I did learn a lot of quick learning. <laughs> but I think that I think the term multicultural marketplace gets tossed around a lot, and I don't think everyone really understands what that means. Could you could you talk about that? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think. Um... You know, as I said before, I, I came into the space about 20 years ago and multicultural was very, very exciting at the time. Uh, but I think that there's it's never been more exciting than where we are right now, just because obviously there's been so many changes in, in you know, unfortunately, uh, given a lot of the um, environment that we lived in over the last couple of years, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement and with, uh, you know, George Floyd and all of those um, un very unfortunate, you know, events that we've, you know, that have come to life and that those conversations have been had. It's really have uh, brought multicultural to the forefront of, of all of these conversations, you know, across media, across every ballroom, in, in the world, I would say, you know, definitely in the United States, but I think it's shaken us and it's shaken um, every every company and everybody to to do better. And to in order for us to do better and to make changes, we have to have these difficult conversations. So I have to say that the multicultural market that we are seeing right now, it's completely different than what we were seeing 20 years ago. And and it is um, at least in in both, you know, at least in the in the black media space and the Hispanic media space, you know, we are. Um, it's a really exciting time to be in the business uh, because we are, uh, for the very first time in in many many years. Again, and and I've been um, doing this for over two decades, but that we are at the forefront of these conversations that they are asking us. What do you think needs to change? What do you think we need to do different in order to truly service the Hispanic market? What do we need to do different in order to affect the multicultural audience? And I think it's also taking that conversation to the next level, right? And for companies to really take action, but also support companies like Candela Media, for example, that we are a minority-owned company, we are a female-owned company, to give wow. them the opportunity to like succeed, right? Because, because before this, it used to be, uh, you know, let's let's book all the upfront. You know, uh, back in the days, uh, I'm sure that if you recall upfront time, it's, you know, it's it's it will be the top main, you know, three broadcasters or radio companies. And most of the bulk of the money will go there. And by mm -hmm. the time it will get to the smaller networks or, or, or players, it will just be the leftovers and, and pennies left. And I think that has changed. It's, it has, it's, not changed, it's not changing quick enough, but I think we've made progress. And I think, and I like to be able to maybe regroup with you and have this conversation next year or in a couple of years and, and, and hopefully mm -hmm. report that 
that we are only making progress because I think we've also seen a very opportunistic approach from the market into like, let's just check the box because let's say that we're doing something to support the multicultural efforts or we're doing something to support, uh, you know, Hispanic media or a minority owned company, but they're just doing it to check the box. And I think there's a huge, huge difference. And that really comes across, you know, in terms of authenticity and how brands are really speaking and tapping into um, their consumers. Right. It's what I call it. Are they paying lip service or are they actually walking the walk and, and, and trying to some to affect some kind of a change in there? Um, what do you find now when you're talking to brands about that or the advertising dollars just in general? You know, when I was doing this, the multicultural money was separate. It was a separate budget. Are you seeing that it's starting to merge together? It's just everyone is depending on the marketplace competing for that same money or is it still very separate? in terms of this is your money over here and this is general market money over here? So I think it's shifted over the years. I think, you know, back in the days, it used to be very much general market budgets up against multicultural budgets. There was a period of time that, I don't know if you recall, but something happened that we moved over to a total market approach. And that was the, the term, the total market. And everybody was so excited about like, oh, great. Now we're part of the total market as opposed to not seeing us as a silo. And But the reality is that that did a lot of damage to the multicultural space because all of this, yeah, it, unfortunately, because every, first of all, everybody had a different definition of what the total market was, right? And that created a lot of confusion in the marketplace. But what ended up happening was that now all of those multicultural budgets were no longer. And, and, and now we were being part of total market conversations, but it, you can't really compare the two, right? In, in, in any level, you know, even when you're looking at scale, when you're looking at, you know, audience sizes and all of this. so we ended up getting the, you know, the short end of the stick. And we lost a lot of, we had made a lot of progress. And with the total market approach that uh, took us back, it set us back years. Fortunately, we were past that. Everyone agreed that the total market was not, you know, the right way to go. And now we are looking again at, yes, there is a huge opportunity for multicultural uh, companies and vendors to tap into general market because the reality is that you know multicultural is you know general market right we are part of the, the that market but at the same time there is a need for multicultural specific budgets that we can say in whole companies and, and marketers and you know accountable that to say that this is how much you're putting into the multicultural audiences. And I think that's really, really important. And we have seen a huge progress over the last year specifically that those budgets are actually being allocated specifically to black media, specifically to Hispanic media, LGBTQ, and it's making a huge difference. So it is, uh, it's been an interesting uh, 
it's been really interesting to see the shift and how you know we can we can continue to to progress and 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 have a, a bigger and larger impact with with multicultural companies. It's very refreshing to hear that that is actually happening. So let's get back to Canela. It's a relatively new company. And what I read is, what did I have here? A free to stream platform, influencer marketing, branded content, and more than 180 exclusive Spanish language sites, which sounds all very cutting edge to me. But can you explain what all that means? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, happy to happy to, uh, to explain a little bit more about Canela. Uh, first of all, we are a minority and female-owned company, which is really, really exciting. Uh, we are certified on both um, aspects. We're actually the only one in our uh, competitive space with both certifications, and it really makes a difference. And it's uh, it's really refreshing to work for a company that has the leadership that we have. Uh, we are led by um, our CEO and founder, who is Isabel Raffery. And this is her third company that she launches. So she's really, um, you know, this is her, uh, this is her space. Uh, but Canela, Canela is different in the sense that we came into the market disrupting the marketplace. Uh, in the in, you know, Canela really uh, launched in the middle of literally in the middle of the pandemic, right? Uh, Canela TV specifically, which is our OTT offering launched in May of uh, 2020, right? And it was a time of, you know, I wasn't even part of the company at the time, but the decision needed to be made, right? We went in, in everyone was in lockdown by late March, April, and the company in the, in the OTT platform was launching in May. Um, and that was a decision that our CEO had to make and in retrospective, it was the best decision that to move forward with the launch because the audience, the U.S. Hispanic audience was in need of content, free content, which is what we are. We are uh, an AVOD platform, which is 100% supported by advertisers. And in a world of so many SVOD platforms that we, you know, are all guilty guilty of of subscribing to <laughs> at the end of the day you know there is only so much right so many subscriptions that you can have it was very refreshing to be one of the very first avod platforms targeting specifically to the u.s hispanic market so it was a huge opportunity for us and it was reflective in our growth it has been reflective on how quickly um the our audience has um really taken up and using our app and technology to consume content. The reality is that seven out of 10 Hispanics are already streaming uh, content on a weekly basis. So in history, Hispanics have always been very uh, technology driven at the forefront of um, early adapters. So when it comes down to consuming content through streaming, it's no different. And Hispanics are, are at the very, very much forefront of that consumption pattern. So we have seen our OTT platform like boom over the last year and a half since the launch. It is our flagship uh, property as of right now. And again, it is 
free Latino TV for the U.S. Hispanic market with premium and culturally relevant content from all over the world. Um, and in addition to that, as, uh, as you mentioned, we also complement our offering with Canela Online, which uh, is basically uh, where we represent over exclusively over 180 Spanish sites uh, of the largest sites um, in Spanish here in the United States. Um, and with that, we also have, um, now we have a Canela Studios uh, the, um, uh, department, which creates a lot of branded content and a lot of a lot of the fun things that we do for our, our marketers, which is basically, um, you know, everyone, everybody wants to do branded content right now, right? That's right. Uh, we, are, <laughs> we are now producing our own content. We also launched Canela Music. Um, as you might be aware, music is one of the main passion points for Hispanics. So we saw, again, a, a huge opportunity to, how can we make our product better and at the same time continue to service the Hispanic market? So we launched Canela Music uh, in third quarter of last year. And we are just, you know, we're, we continue to be, we want to be the, the that go-to company that is innovating the Hispanic marketplace. And we're getting ready to launch Canela Kids. There is a huge need for, con for, for uh, content for kids in Spanish and English. I mean, I am a, you know, I am a father myself uh, with a six-year-old, and for me, it is really important for my for my son to be able to be bilingual. So, there is a lack of content in Spanish for kids, and we are going to be bringing that to the market. And I'm really, really excited to be launching that very, very soon. Wow, wow! You, you know, as I'm listening to you too, and I'm also thinking it's so interesting. You clearly. You've had a huge success in a short period of time there, and yet it's antithetical to what everyone else is doing in terms of certainly in terms of the streaming aspect, because everyone is launching another paid platform so that I can find something else that I can spend $5 a month on. Um, but yet right. you're kind of going in reverse in that, in that, okay, we're not going to do that. We'll make this for free and we will keep it at supported. So, and having success. Absolutely. And I think that was, the, that was, that played a huge uh, part in terms of the strategy when the OTT platform was being launched because when you look at um, credit card penetration in the Hispanic, you know, Spanish dominant uh, um, Hispanics in the US, it's significantly lower. So there was a need, right? There is a huge audience that they don't even have access to be able to get a subscription base. So yes, there is the ones that can afford it, and then let's talk about the ones that can't even do that, that don't have access to a credit card. Mm -hmm. So who's servicing uh, those audiences? And that's where we came, uh, where we became a key player when we launched Canela TV in the US. And the same goes when we looked into launching news, right? There was a lack of, of, of free news in the United States. So we were able to launch the first free um, OTT uh, daily news for free in, in the U.S. Hispanic market. And that was also uh, really exciting and, and rewarding for us. Wow, 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 wow. So you're obviously in charge of revenue growth and you know, people don't, I think people underestimate the value that sales has in marketing, that sales is part of the marketing process. Sometimes we like to keep it separate. I don't, um, I see them as both. But um, with so much now, especially in the digital space, being focused on the programmatic aspect of this buying process, you know, 
how do you break through as a human? I know you, you've sat in me, you're, you're, you're all about being a human being, but how do you break through with that? Because I would imagine it's very challenging. It is. Uh, it, I mean, it really is, uh, Joanne. And I mean, the way we transact right now, it's so different than how we did it, you know, even five years ago, yet alone, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Our industry is, is rapidly changing and programmatic has really changed the way we transact. You know, it's it's very, um, you know, we don't have that necessarily that one-on-one, that face-to-face anymore. A lot of businesses are moving towards that. I definitely do think that having the human aspect of it makes a huge difference because that's when you get to be creative and be able to ideate bigger bigger um, ideas, right? And, and be able to think bigger and outside the box. So yes, I think programmatic can be great in terms of, you know, making things and processes possibly easier in terms of overall uh, transactions. But the, this human aspect of it, I don't think it's going away. I, I don't think it should go away and I don't think it's going away. I think it's definitely still needed. We do see a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, campaigns that are executed on both ends, right? They, where we start with the with with the one-on-ones and with the actual conversations with people. And then we move over to executing it and going through programmatic. But the reality is that at least with Canela specifically, about 95% of our transactions are being done direct, which is a, it's a, you know, it's great because again, I think it gives you that opportunity to have better service, you know, to be able to um, make changes as you go, you know, and, and to really, you know, and and to be able to pivot as needed. So um, I I can't tell you how that's going to be next year, but uh, and, and definitely we'll continue to change towards a more programmatic uh, transaction base. But for right now, um, I think it's just about maintaining the, the balance. So the company obviously launched and the pandemic and what I read to what you had said earlier was that there had been a decision that that was when you were going to launch. And then of course the pandemic hit and you did it anyway and has been usually successful. But then there's you, um, several months into this launch, you come on as a new person in a pandemic. And I think that was in the fall of 2020, if my research is right. So we're still like pretty much in lockdown. We're just barely walking a foot out the door. What was that like? (laughs) So it it was, uh, it was really interesting. You know, again, when I, when I say that decisions that we made and looking in retrospective, that was the best decision that was to launch Canela TV. It was in terms of audience acquisition, but I can only imagine the amount of stress that my leadership team was facing because as you can imagine, and as we all know, right around May is when everything and every campaign was put to pause because the world didn't know how to react. Uh, And then we had on top of that uh, BLM, Right. And then it seemed like every day marketers found themselves with like, what kind of messaging am I putting out there? So every campaign for the most part was put to on a hold unless there was any kind of evergreen creative. 
And for a company that was just starting up that had just secured, you know, a couple of launching sponsorships, all of that was put to pause. So I, I it was it was definitely uh, scary times, I'm sure, for, for the company. I fortunately came on board right after after that, but as you said, uh, very much still in it. And that's you know, I came in in October of that year and right you know, for fourth quarter. And that's when we started seeing brands recommitting and coming back into the space. So a lot of the, a lot of what happened during the time, during that, you know, second and third quarter was educating the marketplace, letting them know that, hey, we are a need in the market. This is why, you know, you should definitely do something with with, within mm-hmm. the OTT space and within Canela specifically. And we started seeing those commitments coming in, in fourth quarter and definitely in at the beginning of, the, of 2021. Not to mention that 2021 was an absolutely amazing year. And, you know, yeah. again, I don't, I don't know if it's, um, it's a combination of everything. I think, I think marketers were ready to come back strong but also, as I said before, you know, the multicultural space has has changed, and, and these difficult conversations have, for the better, strengthened the marketplace, and also how marketers are strategizing and putting their allocating their dollars uh, into the space. So that has been really exciting. But but what was it like for you personally, like starting a new job? And I'm going to assume that you might not even have the pleasure of being in the office right away if it was October of 2020, maybe. Um, I mean, I, I would imagine that would be pretty challenging. I've spoken to several people who started jobs like that, and they're like, I, I really haven't met anybody in person yet, <laughs> which is kind of a strange thing. And especially for you, who's running sales, and it, you know, it again, there's always in my, I agree with you, hopefully there will always be a human aspect to that part of the business. Yes. Uh, personally, definitely was challenging. I didn't get to meet my team. I was interviewing everything. Everything happened through Zoom um, and calls and, you know, video calls. And I hire a lot of people. We've hired a lot of people. We went from, uh, Joanne, I was number, I was brought in on board as, as the number 14 uh, employee for the company and right now we have over 65 people so we've hired in a year a lot of a lot of folks that we haven't met yet in person uh, and I think and that to me is it's absolutely if you think about it it's it's crazy it's crazy to think that that's how that's the world we live in and it is challenging it's been it's um you know in being on the sales side where we are we were so used to having these face-to-face meetings and being able to um, entertain our clients and and do coffee, grab a drink, do a lunch, and not being able to do that, it really forced us to pivot and to be creative and to say, what can we do differently mm-hmm. that is going to still make a difference and that we can continue to foster these relationships and we need to get creative. And I think we're still trying to be creative, um, you know, after almost two years of being in this situation. But it's definitely been, it's been challenging. But it, it also, on, on, you know, on the other side, it really allowed us to 
to realize that, you know, we don't really need to be in an office, you know, five days a week, right? Nope. There's been Absolutely. a lot of things that have also come out, that a lot of great things that have come, you know, out of these uh, unfortunate circumstances. And uh, being able to spend more time with family, you know, being able to be having more flexible uh, operations and schedule. I think all of that also um, has been has been great things about it, but also it's been challenging, you know, being being locked in your house for so long, not being able to live in and working and living and everything in one space was challenging to say the least. So I am happy to say that I am able to be in an office space again and that little by little we're trying to lure our team to when they feel comfortable to come in into, uh, into the office because the interaction is needed, you know, especially in a marketing sales aspect where you just, if you want to pick someone's brain, you can quickly say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think? Of? And I think that makes a huge difference as opposed to having to schedule a 30 minute Zoom call and all of the sudden your entire day is full of Zoom calls and, and then you start work, at, you know, by the end of the day. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think there's a lot that um, I don't believe in. The, I think the five day work week is gone. I, I can't see how. I can't see how, especially how they're going to, how anyone is going to be able to convince younger millennials and Gen Zers that they should be in an office five days a week. I just, I can't really, I can't really see that, but there is something about the serendipity that occurs just by having a passing conversation with somebody, with one of your colleagues and how ideas can generate in that respect. And that is very, very hard to, in my opinion, to replicate via this type of an environment. But I would also think that um, it might've been a benefit for the company early on to get people on the, on the Zoom because everyone seemed to have more time to talk about this new company that you were launching that then it might have been in, had we not been in a pandemic and um, you were actually trying to get face-to-face in person with them. It, I found it much easier to get a hold of people during Zoom, during Zoom, to me, during the during the height of the pandemic on a Zoom call. Absolutely, hindsight. If you think absolutely, it's uh, it's one of the benefits, right? That we can quickly connect with someone uh, from that they don't even have to be in the same city, right? They can be in a different, completely different territory across the the country. Um, and be able to connect with those those folks as opposed to, you know, having to jump on a plane and 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 do a full market trip to meet with with people. So, yes, absolutely, I I definitely think that that played a big role in terms of being able to meet with as many people as we could, and that also people were were willing and interested to learn more. Obviously, the OTT space in the general market is more mature, so and it's you know, extremely successful and, and you have the streaming wars and, and there's so much going on. But then, you know, in the Hispanic market, it's slightly, slightly behind. So the fact that there was a new uh, AVOD platform in the, in the market, it was, um, you know, it, it was something that people wanted and continue to want to like know about. So it's been, you know, I'm 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 really grateful for that because the response from the from the industry has been really, uh, really strong. 
So we've talked a lot about the changes in in the Hispanic marketplace. Um, I want to ask you this question, then we'll, we'll kind of move on a little bit to the personal aspect of the pandemic. But um, at the, obviously, there's lots of changes in the, in the Hispanic marketplace. But what do you see in, in the 20 years you've been doing this? The biggest changes overall, in general. What do you think has had the the biggest impact on how we've changed how we? market and sell, obviously, because you can't do one without the other, I don't think. Last time I checked, at least. I mean, when it comes to specifically targeting the Hispanic market? No, not, no, not the Hispanic, just marketing in general, because I let's take it to a nice speaker. Yeah, I'm, yeah, no, of course. I think, um, I think marketers have really had to dig deeper into who their audience is and specific consumers are and i think that's the difference um being able to specifically like almost sub segment and go to a niche market to say this is the audience that i'm looking to to speak to uh yes i do have a general market a general market audience but i also want to speak to you know the asian american community and i also want to speak to the lgbtq uh, community and i think being able to specifically create campaigns and messaging and creatives that speak directly to those audiences make a huge, huge difference because you're not really seen anymore as an afterthought. You're like, you actually feel that you're being spoken to. And I think that's probably the biggest change is that marketers, obviously now there is endless uh, data and we can, see like specifically who, who do we need to where, where the efforts need to be made stronger and how can we you know change and, and make our products better so that we can better service our audiences so we're all i don't know this pandemic i, I think it's like never ending quicksand these days um and we all we can't none of us could get our feet out of but what is has it been like for you personally i i know you have a, i know you have a son you mentioned that before your 6 year old son how has it been for you have you adapted outside of getting a brand new job during the, in the midst of all of this <laughs> and not to mention that at the at the same time i was finishing uh, my degree at nyu so it was uh, it was it was a lot going on but um it's it's been a it's been a very crazy, you know, year and a half, last two years. Um, I, again, I think, I don't know how I'm still, in, you know, they haven't gone <laughs> insane yet. Uh, but I think, um, you know, I think it's just finding the, the right balance, right? And being able to, you know, uh, being able to spend all the time that we have been able to spend with family, but also make, keeping the balance, you know, I think now during the pandemic, we work harder than we ever did i think it's really hard to to disconnect i think we're always again connected um and even when we're done with dinner we are still in our office right because we haven't left <laughs> so i that's why i i make it a point to try to come into the office because if i come into the office i feel that there is that separation and i think that's at least for me it's helped my mental health to be able to keep both separate and to know that when it's family time or when it's me time, it's it's my time, and when it's work, obviously I'm I'm all hands on deck. But it's um it's about finding that balance, which I think has been really hard for many of us to to really find during these times. 
I I agree. Okay, I I know you're a busy man, and but I would like to finish up with a little lightning round of questions. Are you are you game for this? Yeah, of course. Okay, so favorite social network? I will say Instagram. That's a fan favorite for sure. Something people would never guess about you? That I I don't know. I used to swim when I was younger. <laughs> um, the streaming network of your choice. I'll be surprised how long you're going to say on this one, but streaming network of your choice. I have to say Canela, Canela TV. Uh, I knew <laughs> that was coming. Um, the last series you binged? Uh, Silicon Valley. Loved it. If you oh, haven't you, watched it, it's, you know it's I terrible. haven't. I haven't. I haven't. You know, and I need a new show. I think that's what I'm going to watch next. Um, the most app, most used app on your phone? LinkedIn. Food you can't live without? Mexican. What you miss most about pre-COVID life? Being able to, two things. I would say being able to see and interact with people as we used to. And being able to travel freely. I think for me, I'm, I'm a huge, I love to travel. and not being able to do that for so long. And even when we do it now, it's, it's so, you know, restricted, um, so yes, I will say those two. Yeah, that's becoming a common answer when I ask that question on my podcast. And what motivates you to get up in the morning? My son. I knew you were going to say that. I, I would have been <laughs> disappointed if you did not say that. <laughs> um, thank you so much. So where can people find you and, and learn? I can put all these things in the show notes, of course, but and learn more about Canela. Absolutely. You can find us on across all of our social media networks on LinkedIn, on, on Instagram. Um, yeah, uh, you can find us across the board and also highly encourage your listeners to download uh, Canela TV app and Canela Music on, on your uh, devices. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Joanne, thank you so much. The pleasure has been mine. Thank you for having me and have a fantastic, fantastic 2022. You too. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify so other people can find us and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you've got a question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me a note. Info at joannetombrakis.com. And until next time, remember... Whatever got you to where you are isn't enough to keep you there.